Happy summer solstice, and thanks for joining this press call. I'm Lauren Zellin, Media Relations Manager at the World Resources Institute. Today you'll hear WRI's analysis of our new 2017 tree cover loss data, which will be live on globalforestwatch.org next Wednesday, June 27th at 9 a.m. Central European Time, 3 a.m. Eastern Time, which is the start of the Oslo Tropical Forest Forum. Everything you hear on this call is embargoed until that time. If you haven't already seen the tree cover loss data and graphics, please email katie.fletcher at wri.org right now, and she'll send you the Dropbox link. We'll post other content here throughout the week, including blog drafts, time-lapse maps, and things like that, and a recording of this call. Turning now to our speakers, we'll hear brief opening remarks, then open the lines for your questions. First, we have Francis Seymour, a distinguished senior fellow at WRI, then Michaela Weiss, a research analyst at WRI who's the lead analyst for the 2017 data. Next, Andreas Dahl-Jorgensen is Deputy Director of Norway's International Climate and Forest Initiative, NICFI. Then, Dr. Putra Putarma, Putama, Partama, thank you, um, is Interim Director General for Climate Change at the Ministry of Environment and Forestry in Indonesia. Finally, Victoria Tali Corpus is UN Special Rapporteur on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. An exciting lineup. With that, let me turn it over to Francis Seymour. Francis? Okay, so the 2017 tree cover, loss, tree cover loss numbers are in, and they are not looking good. Even though we've been intensifying our efforts to slow tropical deforestation over the last decade, last year was the second highest on record for tree cover loss, down only slightly from 2016. In 2017, tropical forests were lost at a rate equivalent to 40 football fields per minute, which is really a staggering number. Michaela's going to take us through the details, but there's really no mystery as to the main reasons why we're seeing tropical forests disappear. Vast areas continue to be cleared for soy, beef, palm oil, and other globally traded commodities. Much of this clearing is illegal and linked to corruption. And forest defenders continue to be murdered when they work to protect forests. Most indigenous peoples still don't have secure land rights, even though their territories have the lowest rates of deforestation. In light of the high stakes, those of us who dedicate our professional lives and personal passions to saving the rainforests are pausing now to reflect. If these indicators are going in the wrong direction, are we doing something wrong? In fact, we're implementing a number of strategies to address this problem, including offering climate finance under the Paris Agreement to reward reduced forest emissions. We're getting companies to stop buying products grown on recently deforested land. We're cracking down on illegal logging and securing indigenous rights. But as long as mainstream policies and finance continue to support deforestation as usual, we're trying to put out a house fire with a teaspoon, even while more gas is being poured on the flames. To put things in perspective, the amount of climate finance committed for forest conservation has averaged about a billion dollars a year over the last decade, which is trivial when compared to about a hundred times as much money that's being made available for agriculture and other investments that put forests at risk in tropical forest countries. Next week, 500 members of my colleagues in forestry world will gather at the Oslo Tropical Forest Forum and try to grapple with this problem. A key topic we'll be discussing is how we can meaningfully change the incentives that drive deforestation. 
We'll have present government ministers, NGOs, indigenous leaders, and representatives of the private sector from both tropical forest countries and donor countries. Thanks for joining this call and helping to spread the word because this is truly an urgent issue that should be getting more attention. Thank you very much, Francis. Now I'll turn it over to Michaela Weiss. Michaela? Thanks, Lauren. Just as a bit of background, the Global Forest Watch annual tree cover loss data is produced by the University of Maryland. They use satellite imagery, cloud computing, and artificial intelligence to provide a consistent record of tree cover loss around the world. A new functionality this year is the ability to distinguish tree cover loss due to fires, which UMD mapped for the first time. One thing you'll notice is that we use the term tree cover loss instead of deforestation. Our data do not distinguish between natural and human-caused change, and we pick up some changes that many would consider forest degradation, such as fires and selective logging. Now let's dig into the data. Tropical tree cover loss sustained a record high in 2017, with 15.8 million hectares of tree cover loss, an area the size of Bangladesh. That's the equivalent of losing 40 football fields of trees every minute for an entire year. What's more, the data show a consistent increase in tropical tree cover loss since 2001. Brazil has long been the tropical country with the most tree cover loss, particularly driven by soy, beef, and other commodities. In 2017, Brazil had 4.5 million hectares of tree cover loss, slightly lower than the record high set in 2016. We believe much of the loss this year can be attributed to a strong fire season in the Amazon. Fires caused 27% of the tree cover loss in Brazil this year. Fires in the Amazon are not a natural occurrence, and most are set by humans. As climate change and human land use interact to make forests more vulnerable to fire, many are concerned that extensive fires will become the new normal in the Brazilian Amazon. While clear-cut deforestation in the Amazon has been declining since the early 2000s, there are some indications that increasing fires are canceling out the climate impacts of reduced deforestation. No single policy is driving Brazil's fires and tree cover loss, but people may be taking advantage of the lack of law enforcement, political and economic uncertainty, and the current administration's rollback of environmental protections. It's important to point out that the Global Forest Watch data differs from Brazil's government data, which only looks at large clear cuts of primary forest in the Amazon. GFW data supports the official data measurements, but provides additional information on degradation from fires and loss in secondary forests. Moving to the other side of South America, Colombia is an emerging hotspot. Colombia saw a rapid increase in tree cover loss in 2017, up 46% since the previous year, and double the average loss from 2001 to 2015. Almost half of that increase happened in just three regions on the border of the Amazon basin, Meta, Guaviare, and Caquetá, with new hotspots of loss in previously untouched areas. The increase seems to be related to the peace process. The demobilization of the FARC left behind a power vacuum, which has led to illegal clearing for pasture and coca, mining and logging by other armed groups, as well as rampant land speculation. The Colombian government is taking steps to reverse this trend. The outgoing administration canceled a major highway project connecting Venezuela and Ecuador, destroyed several illegal roads, and launched the Green Belt Initiative to protect and restore a 9.2 million hectare forest corridor tell if these steps are enough to slow the increase that we're seeing. Shifting to Central Africa, the Democratic Republic of Congo had record high tree cover loss in 2017, surpassing Indonesia for the first time. DRC has had an increasing trend over the past 17 years, which is a cause for concern. 
Drivers of tree cover loss include shifting agriculture, artisanal logging, which is often illegal, and charcoal production. Given the upward trend in 2017, it's critical that DRC improves land use planning and forest law enforcement going forward. Indonesia had more of a positive story. It reduced tree cover loss 60% in primary forests this year. 2017 was a non-El Nino year, which brought wetter conditions and fewer fires compared to previous years. The decrease may also be related to the National Peat Drainage Moratorium, which has been in effect since 2016. This year's data show an 88% decrease in tree cover loss on protected peatlands, which suggests that the policy may be working. This is only one year of data, so we'll see if this is a lasting trend for Indonesia or not. One final story that stood out from this year's data is the massive amount of tree cover lost to hurricanes in the Caribbean. The island of Dominica lost an astonishing 32% of its tree cover. Puerto Rico lost more than 10%, and the U.S. Virgin Islands lost 6%. Although tropical forests in cyclone zones usually regrow, we're concerned about the future of these forests as climate change makes storms even more severe. So that's a snapshot of the 2017 Global Forest Watch tree cover loss data. We'd be happy to answer any questions you may have in just a few minutes. Thanks, Michaela. Now I'll turn it over to Andreas Dahl-Jorgensen from Norway. Thank you. Well, uh, I just wanted to say that these numbers uh, show that we are uh, – uh, it shows an alarming uh, story of, of the situation for the world's rainforest, and, and it's really a call to action for for everyone, for forest countries, for the international community, uh, for the private sector, civil society. Uh, we simply won't meet the, the climate uh, targets that we agreed in Paris uh, without a drastic reduction in, in tropical deforestation and, and restoration of, of forests around the world. Uh, and we will also not meet sustainable development goals. So a lot is uh, hinging on our success in reversing these, uh, these trends and these data that are coming out. Um, we are uh, having a conference next week in, in Oslo uh, to gather uh, all the relevant stakeholders, governments, um, NGOs, um, and the private sector to, to discuss uh, the options that we, we have and, and what we need to move forward. We do know what needs to be done. Uh, we're talking regulations and enforcement, aligning financial, uh, fiscal incentives, financial incentives from, from the international community. Uh, we know that radical transparency, uh, such as what we can see with Global Forest Watch, uh, are, so are giving law enforcement agencies the, the, the information they need to, to act and, and, uh, and turn out sort of emergencies happening in the forest and open close to real time. Um, so this is uh, just to, to emphasize that we are uh, we're taking these, these information extremely seriously and, and working with partners to, to see what we can do to, to reverse this trend and, and to make sure that the next year and, and the years after will show better data. Thanks. Thank, thank you very much, Andreas. Next, we'll turn to Pak Putra Partama. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that uh, we are glad that Indonesia is now uh, the only country in the tropic that uh, with uh, re decreasing rate of deforestation. Uh, we are glad with that uh, result of the analysis, although it's not a surprise because uh, we, we have the data in indicating the same uh, uh, figure also, that uh, the deforestation rate decreased significantly in the last uh, three years from 
uh, about uh, 1 million hectares in 2014-2015 to uh, only, uh, well, not only uh, to six, 600 uh, 630,000 hectares in 2015-2016, and even less than uh, a half million in, uh, recent, uh, in the last year. So uh, we are glad with that because that indicates that our effort, our series of uh, effort, uh, uh, indicating successful. It is successful. So um, we will maintain the effort. Uh, we will maintain this uh, positive trend in order to uh, decrease uh, again the rate of deforestation. Among the effort uh, we are doing is uh, includes uh, the moratorium of the peat uh, uh, licensing and, and uh, virgin forest licensing and also improvement in the peat management and more effective fire management and of course the law enforcement, more effective law enforcement and the red uh, implementations. And, uh, Today, uh, uh, since uh, actually since uh, last two years, we have undertaken a great change in the management of our peat forest. We allocate a, a great part of uh, our peat into protected peatlands, and then that that I think contribute a lot to the decrease in the rate of deforestation and also the effective effectiveness of the fire management, involving people, involving the all components of the communities uh, and early uh, early um, handling of the uh, fire uh, that also help a lot. and also the blocking of the canal stopping the the draining of the peatland and again uh, we are glad with this uh, improvement and we will maintain it uh, and even improve it to uh, keep uh, decreasing the rate of deforestation in Indonesia and we we would like, uh, we, we expect that Indonesia is no longer associated with uh, uh, deforestation in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pak Putra. Finally, we'll turn over to our last introductory speaker, Victoria Tali Korpus, to talk about what the 2017 findings mean for indigenous peoples. Uh, thank you. Uh, the new global forest watch data reveals that tropical forest loss is at an all time high, fomenting the global climate crisis. The result is rising seas, threats to global food security, and conflicts across the globe. Along with this violence against the earth, there is growing violence against, indeed, against the people who defend it. Last year, Global Witness studied 197 murders of land rights and environmental defenders. Year after year, around 40 to 50 percent of these deaths are indigenous peoples. Even initiatives put in place to protect forests can end up hurting forest guardians. A new report I authored shows that indigenous peoples face significant human rights abuses in the world's protected areas, part of the disturbing uptick of criminalization and extrajudicial killings that I have observed in my role as a special rapporteur. Indigenous peoples have long stewarded and protected the world's forests crucial to the fight against climate change. The new Global Forest Watch data finds that the rate of tree cover loss is less than half in community and indigenous lands compared to elsewhere. Where community rights to own their lands are legally recognized, the difference is even greater. 
worldwide community lands hold at least a quarter of the above-ground tropical forest carbon, equal for four times the global greenhouse gas emissions for 2014, and likely much more. Yet, while indigenous peoples and local communities customarily occupy more than 50% of the world's land, they only have secure legal rights to 10%. World leaders gathering in Oslo have a powerful solution to the, that they can bring to the table to save the world's famous, to save the world's forests. Indigenous uh, people's rights have to be recognized and we have, as we have stood to a proven solution to climate change for generations. Recognize our rights and we can continue to do so for the generations to come. Thank you. Fantastic, thank you. Thanks to all of our speakers. Now we'll turn over to questions. Operator, can you please let everyone know how to ask a question? Certainly, we will now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one on your phone and record your name at the prompt. Your name is required to introduce your question. And to cancel your request, you may press star two. Once again, to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one. One moment for the first question. Great, thank you. Um, just a quick note that we do have a couple of additional speakers available to answer our questions. We have Rod Taylor, Global Director of Forests at WRI, Nancy Harris, Research Manager of Global Forest Watch at WRI, um, from Indonesia, Arif Wajaya, Senior Manager of Climate and Forests at WRI Indonesia. To talk about Africa, Lauren Williams, Program Manager for Democratic Republic of Congo at WRI. Um, on Colombia, Walter Vergara, Senior Fellow at WRI, and the esteemed Carlos Nobre, who holds many titles as one of Brazil's leading climate scientists, including Senior Researcher at the Institute of Advanced Studies, University of Sao Paulo, Brazil, and a Senior Fellow at WRI, Brazil. With that, I think we have some questions. Operator, go ahead and take the first question, please. Yes, the first question is from Arthur Neslin. The line is now open. Hello? Yes, hi, we can hear you. Oh, sorry, I thought it was a recorded question. Um, two <laughs> questions. The, the first is, do you have any estimates for um, carbon greenhouse gas emissions in 2017 caused by deforestation? And secondly, I, I was just wondering if you could say something about the role that agriculture, and particularly agriculture for export to, to um, richer northern countries, whether in Europe or North America, what role that played in the deforestation we saw last year, and what could be done to mitigate it? Great. Okay, those are two good, hard questions. Um, Rod, why don't I start with you? Yes, um, I might defer to Nancy on, on trying to put some greenhouse gas numbers on that. But about the agriculture question, it's a really good question, and I think the answer is it's a mixed story. Um, we have a lot of... Uh, export crops that are linked to deforestation going into the world's rich markets. Um, in terms of what can be done about that, um, first we do see quite a lot of uh, commitment in the private sector to the notion of deforestation free supply chains and basically we need to keep the pressure on the companies and support them to turn those targets into reality. And in particular in Europe there's also discussion of some kind of European policy framework 
work similar to the one that's currently in place for illegally sourced timber that would make it difficult to import uh, agricultural products to Europe that are linked to deforestation. But that policy is still in a fairly early stage of discussion. And thirdly, it's important to realize that um, a lot of the uh, cash crops that are linked to deforestation are actually consumed domestically in emerging countries like Indonesia and Brazil or exported to markets perhaps in China or India where we don't have that same degree of concern with the way those commodities were sourced. So one of the major challenges is to get similar responses in place in emerging markets as the ones that are, are coming through in the more developed countries. Over. Great, thanks, Rod. Um, and we do have an, uh, a paper coming out, um, a working paper coming out about deforestation-free supply chains. And so we have an embargoed copy we can share with you if anyone's interested in seeing that. I can put it in the Dropbox. Was that Francis I, wanting to chime in? Yeah, just briefly, in, in terms of the, the answer to the question specifically about how much of it, do we have a sense of how much is for, for agricultural exports? Um, they're not new numbers for the, the 217 um, tree cover loss, but there was a study done a couple of years ago estimating uh, um, from starting from the year 2000 and subsequent um, 12 years how much of deforestation was for or was for um, commercial agriculture, how much of that was illegal, and how much of the illegal conversion was for agricultural exports. And basically the numbers um, estimated from that study were 71% um, of tropical deforestation over that period or tree cover loss was conversion for commercial agriculture, 49% was illegal conversion for commercial agriculture, and 24% was illegal conversion for agricultural exports. Wow, thank you, Francis. So now I'll hand it over to Nancy for the climate question. Yes, thanks. Unfortunately, we have not had time to run the 2017 numbers for emissions yet, but compared to 2016, 2017 was a bit lower than, than uh, 2016, and we do have numbers for last uh, 2016. So we had uh, emissions from tropical deforestation of about 7.5 billion tons of CO2 into the atmosphere from both tree cover loss as well as uh, drainage from degraded peat soils. So this 7.5 gigaton CO2 number is much higher than uh, previous years of 2014 and 2015. Uh, emissions in 2016 was roughly equivalent uh, to emissions from the entire United States. Wow. Thank you. Okay. Um, next question, please. Yes. The next question is from uh, Damian Carrington. Your line is now open. Hi there. Um, thanks, everybody. And um, I'm Damien Carrington. I'm from The Guardian. Um, so I want to talk about this sort of uh, the, the way the numbers were sort of put together. And I'm afraid uh, Michaela's um, introduction didn't come through on my line for, for a while, so I, I might have missed some of it. But um, I just wondered if she could kind of go over again what the difference is between tree um, cover loss and uh, deforestation. Um, I also wanted to ask you, is this a, a net figure? Because presumably trees are growing in uh, some parts of the world. So is it a net figure? And then the last bit is, um, is the, um, uh, what's happening at the higher latitudes? Because obviously there's been a lot of uh, conversation about what's happening in the tropics where I guess there's a lot of biomass, but in the um, higher latitudes there also seems to be some losses. I'm just wondering you know, how significant that is mm -hmm. and what's causing it. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. So we'll start with Michaela. Yeah. Um, so as far as the difference between tree cover loss and deforestation, and why we use the word tree cover, the term tree cover loss instead, 
Um, really, the biggest difference is that we're not able to tell whether this is happening in natural forests versus planted forests and whether the changes are caused by humans or, you know, sometimes they're natural changes as well. Um, so we use the term tree cover loss just to basically fully explain that complexity. Um, as far as the net change, uh, right now these numbers are just looking at gross tree cover loss. Um, we do have some gain data, but it's just up to 2012, and we're working with the University of Maryland to update that for the tropics um, through the present. But for the moment, the numbers that we have are gross. As to your question for the higher latitudes, um, this is a global data set. Uh, we are mostly focusing on tropics here in part because of the connection with Oslo, but also because um, the, the drivers are a bit different of change in, in temperate and boreal forests. Um, so for example, in Canada, we know that 58% of the tree cover loss is due to fires. In Russia, that's 69%. Um, most of those fires are, are naturally occurring. The forest will regrow. There's also a lot of um, forest management happening in boreal and temperate forests that we're not currently able to pick up. Um, and we're actually working on a, a global study that will look at drivers across the world so that we can more accurately say what percent of change in different forests is due to fires, shifting cultivation, forestry, plantations, um, and agriculture. Can I, can I just uh, do a follow-up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so in, in terms of the um, – uh, thanks for explaining that really well, um, Michaela. I'm just wondering, you know, to get a kind of – feeling like in terms of the tree cover loss you say it could be natural or planted forest it could be caused by humans or natural i'm just wondering i mean it's sort of human caused loss of trees is that the dominant force and also um is is the afforestation still likely to be much less than the deforestation or, or i'm just wondering sort of a qualitative answer to those questions to get a feeling for them thank you yeah yeah, I would say um, in the tropics, a lot of what we are seeing is human caused. Again, we do have the ability this year to um, to separate out which tree cover losses due to fires. Um, so we have that number, for example, in Brazil um, and and tropics and global wide. Um, we do also have some information on plantations in certain tropical countries. So, for example, the numbers that we presented in Indonesia are only looking at natural forests, natural primary forests. Um, so we are able to separate out those dynamics. And in terms of the net change, um, I might throw this one over to uh, some of my colleagues as well, but I would say in general in the tropics we are seeing uh, a net loss of tree cover. Yeah, this is Nancy Harris. I can just chime in a little bit and, and add to what Michaela said about the tree cover loss not being deforestation. A lot of it has to do with the permanence of the loss, and so as we're looking at single years of data, we can see that you know, the, the biophysical signal of tree cover has been lost, but you really need to look over longer time frames to understand the longer term dynamic of what's causing those changes, whether it's forestry and wildfire in northern and temperate regions versus tropical tree cover loss is much more associated with the permanent conversion of these forests to a non-forest use. Great, thank you. And I was wondering if Walter Vergara, if you want to add anything about restoration and um, you know how that is in comparing to um, tree cover loss we're seeing. Yes, and I will make a reference to the question on the food production and the relationship with uh, deforestation. Uh, as you are aware, Initiative 2020 focuses on restoration of uh, deforested landscapes. 
and part of the strategy centers on landscape management, which we see as an opportunity to increase food production, strengthen agricultural yields, while diverting pressure and attention from the expansion of the agricultural frontier. There is a lot to say um, in favor of landscape restoration as a strategy to increase food production and avoid deforestation. Thanks, Walter. Okay, I think we're ready for the next question. Thank you. The next question is from Sarah DiLorenzo. Your line is now open. Hi, um, I have a question about um, this discussion about fires. Um, at some point, I'm not sure if it was just for Brazil or for uh, in general, but there was a, something in the report that said that most fires are caused by people. Um, but then I noticed another area where there was something about making forests more vulnerable to fires, which made me think that there's something about climate change that is making natural fires occur more. And so I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about, since fire is one of the driving forces of tree cover loss, if you can just talk a little bit more about the cause of these fires. Are some of them helpful, but most of them not, or something like that? Sure. Well, why don't we start with Carlos Nogre then in Brazil? Yes, yeah, this is an important question, because uh, for, for global tropics, and particularly for South America, uh, over the Amazon forest, there are relatively few natural fires, fires call, caused by lightning strikes. There is much less lightning over the Amazon compared to the forest to the north and to the south, the savannas, tropical savannas. So uh, perhaps 80, sometimes 90% of the fires observed by satellites are man-made fires. They are fires starting in cleaning pasture land uh, that is spread over the forest. So uh, this is really very, very clearly uh, understood today. So most fires are set by humans. On the other hand, uh, global warming uh, increases the vulnerability of forests to fires by several means, particularly by making uh, much hotter temperatures, so maximum temperatures over the tropical South America and many parts of the tropics, Africa and Indonesia, are becoming higher and higher and higher. And also, uh, lightning strikes are increasing. So climate change is making forests more vulnerable both to human-set fires and also to natural cause of fire, such as lightning. And then if I could just ask a follow-up, um, in both of those cases, or maybe just in one of those cases, um, what does that mean for the permanence of tree cover loss? Um, I, I can't remember who, who mentioned that that's one of the important bits of, you know, the cause matters for whether or not a tree goes back in that place. Sure. Um, Carlos, if you want to continue, and but that was Nancy Harris who said it before, but go ahead, Carlos. Yes, uh, I think, you know, uh, the, uh, unfortunately, the trend we are seeing now is, is a dangerous one because what we are seeing sometimes, even uh, when governments succeed in creating policies to control illegal deforestation, we have seen that in Brazil for 10 years. Perhaps we have seen, we are seeing that in Indonesia in the last year, but still 
the net the, the causes the forest is becoming much more vulnerable to fires. So uh, we have to see ways really to diminish the use of fire in tropical agriculture. That would be one of the most important aspects of reducing deforestation. We have really to create a new type of agriculture in the tropics in which fire is no longer used. Great. Thank you. Okay, I think we're ready for the next question, please. Thank you. The next question is from Alistair Doyle. Your line is now open. Uh, thanks very much. Um, Alistair Doyle from Reuters here. It's a little bit around what Damien was asking about a bit earlier. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about the methodology and how your findings differ from the um, FAO, for instance, please, Steve their latest um, global forest resources assessment a couple of years ago said that again, the rate of deforestation has slowed in, in recent years. It says there's a, a, loss, a net loss of 3.3 million hectares in the last five-year period, which is, which is you know, a tenth of the, uh, of the, of the gross loss you're, you're talking about roughly. I just wonder if you could tell me why why your figures are so much higher in, in just your your annual losses of 7.6. Uh, sorry, your annual losses that look like they're double the FAO's estimates of, of of loss tree cover loss. I wonder why why that's why the two differ so so mark so much, please. Sure. So we'll start with Michaela. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we actually wrote a blog a couple of years ago about the difference between the FAO data and Global Forest Watch data, which we'd be happy to send around um, to anyone who's interested. But a lot of this comes from a difference in what we're actually measuring and how we're measuring it. Um, so, for example, there are major differences between uh, what is defined as a forest on the FAO versus the Global uh, Forest Watch data. You know, we're looking at whether or not there's a certain amount of canopy cover over five meters in height. Uh, whereas their definition focuses a lot more on forest land use, um, which doesn't necessarily mean there are trees there. Um, we also use very different sources of data. We're using um, satellite Landsat images. Um, the FAO data is reported by individual countries and has very different methods. Um, uh, those are all country reported. Um, and the unit of analysis is different as well. Um, we're doing a spatial wall-to-wall -wall mapping of tree cover loss, um, the FAO data is reported as country-level statistics, so they don't actually allow you to break down the data any further than that. I'll pass it to Nancy Harris, if she has anything to add. Yeah, I'll just add that, um, adding to what Michaela said about the, the data sources are just different. They measure different things, and so they're not directly comparable. And both have advantages and disadvantages. Um, the FAO benefits from more locally uh, reported numbers from each country, whereas the global data is a consistent look across what's happening globally. Um, and um, what else can I say? I guess that's that's the main difference. Great. Differences in definitions and what, what is being measured. Great. Next question? Yes, the next question is from Stephen. Your line is now open. Oh, hi, it's Stephen Leahy. I'm with uh, National Geographic News. Um, quick question on the uh, uh, finance side. Uh, Francis, you mentioned $1 billion for climate finance versus $100 billion um, that seems to be promoting deforestation. Is that $100 billion for what, agricultural subsidies? Great. 
Why don't you start with Francis on that one? Yeah. Very, very important question. Um, yes, the the numbers that I quoted come from a couple different sources. The the about a billion dollars a year is the average amount that's been pledged really since um, the, over the last ten years for the Red Plus, reducing emissions from deforestation and forest degradation. That's the instrument for rewarding um, tropical developing countries for reducing emissions from deforestation. So that's been about a uh, billion dollars a year, you know, over the last 10 years, a total of $10 billion. And then at the same time, um, the sort of business as usual finance continues. And at the end of last year, um, there was a study done by a, a collective of, of non-governmental organizations under the rubric of an assessment of progress towards the New York Declaration on Forests um, published by Climate Focus. And that study estimated that since 2010, there's been a cumulative $777 billion in finance into sort of business as usual land sector investments like agriculture. So comparing those two numbers, it's about two orders of magnitude difference. Great. And then, Trace, did you want to add anything? Well, uh, sure. I mean, I, I guess the 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 ratio is, is uh, somewhat misleading, too, because it's not like we need to raise the amount uh, dollar by dollar to compensate for dollars going into into agriculture. I think it's a very useful statistic to, to show the comparison of, of the industries that we're, we're sort of uh, um, up against in some ways, in, in a way that to the extent they're doing in sustainable practices. But, but there's a huge potential in, in um, not we're not asking countries to eliminate agricultural subsidies, but there's a huge potential in aligning agricultural subsidies in a way that they meet their main objective to to promote to, to promote agricultural production without leading to, to deforestation. Similarly, the investments going into agriculture, there is available land outside of the forest that you can invest in agriculture. So we're not asking for a stop in agricultural investments or subsidies, uh, but we do need to, to think uh, more carefully across the Across the world, really, about how we, uh, what we do, where, and and how we use our our various kinds of incentives to, um, to both uh, produce what we need, but also to protect the, the rainforest. Thanks. Great, thank you. Um, well, before I take the next question, I just wanted to remind everyone that the embargo um, for everything you're hearing on this call is Wednesday, June 27th at nine. Um, sorry, at 9 a.m. Central European Time. That's 3 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, so please make sure to um, hold that embargo. Do we have another question or follow-up? Yes, another... yes, we have another question from Caitlin Tilly. Your line is now open. Hi, um, I just wondered if you could talk a bit about the significance of Colombia's rise um, in tree cover loss specifically and whether you think this is likely to continue to rise in coming years. Great. Um, we'll toss that to Walter Vergara. Walter, is your line on mute? Excuse me, this is the operator. Walter Regar is disconnected. Oh, man. Okay. Well, then we may come right back around to that question. We'll get him to rejoin. Um, he's really in the best position to speak deeply to Columbia's trends. Um, can we take the next question and then come back to Columbia? Thank you. The next question is from Hans Nicholas. Elaine is now open. Um, hi there. Uh, my name is Hans from Indonesia. I'm uh, writing for mongabe.com. So my question is, uh, uh, I'm really interested in the comparison between um, the tree cover loss data um, in Brazil and Indonesia because it seems like 
um, both countries are trading places now because in the past, you know, Brazil, you know, um, had always been championed as, um, you know, um, the leader in Red Plus and Indonesia has been criticized in making slow progress in that regard. So I'm just wondering whether this, you know, this trend is, um, is any, you know, whether any of you were surprised by this and is it something or is it something that you've been expecting and yeah i'm just trying to wrap my head my head around this and my second question is um does it mean that red plus um simply don't work if you know brazil which has a much bigger funding red plus funding than indonesia um actually um has a an increasing trend of three cover loss well, that is a good question with lots of different avenues. Why don't we start with um, Francis, and then we can take various people in country. Okay, thanks. Yeah, there are a lot of people on this call who can contribute to um, to this answer. Um, first, I think um, other uh, speakers would agree that one year does not make a trend. So I would uh, be cautious about interpreting one year's notice as, as nece- one year's data numbers on you know implying a trend um, either place. So we we need to wait and see what's going to happen. Um, I think that we need to um, look at the various factors that can uh, influence year-to-year variability. And that includes, you know, as was mentioned um, by the weather, you know, whether it's an El Nino year or not. So I think the 2017, 2015-16 numbers in Indonesia were hurt by, you know, El Nino, a lot of forest fires, and, and helped this year by more rain. Conversely, in Brazil, as we've heard, you know, bad forest fire forest fire year um, in Brazil, you know, tilting the numbers there. Um, so that's a that's a factor. I also think um, that we need to recognize that. Um, Political crises, you know, economic crises can can make a difference. Um, I think, as, as Michaela mentioned, um, the fact that you know the Brazilian political economy has been distracted by um, you know many other crises and perhaps taking its foot off the brake on on deforestation, which you know could be a, a temporary thing. Carlos can certainly uh, comment on that. And I guess I I might um, challenge the characterization of Brazil having lots of red plus finance because in fact certainly compared to the size of the economy I don't think it's it's really that much different um, uh, for, than 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 what is available to Indonesia. But I think um, Carlos Andreas Patputra will all have um, uh, opinions on this, so I'll turn it over to them. Yes, uh, just to keep on, on that line. Yes, uh, red plus. Uh, Funding for conservation in Brazil is, is very small. In fact, I mean there are there is money only for a few pilot projects. So there is no way the the big uh, decrease in deforestation from 2005 all the way to 2012 and a little bit 2014 can be explained by by this uh, support by Red Plus. Of course, that was uh, had to do with uh, imposing. Uh, legal constraints to illegal deforestation, creation of protected areas, and reducing close to zero the incentives to illegal deforestation. Uh, so that was very important for a long time. But of course, because it was a 10-year process, what we are seeing today is the backlash. The drivers for deforestation, they were there all the time. They're still there. The expansion of the agricultural frontier for pasture land, for grain, and they were there all the time. Of course, now we are seeing the moment in which the, the, the forces are balancing out, the forces towards conservation against illegal deforestation and the force driving the expansion of the, the agricultural frontier. That's why we are seeing this 
level of deforestation in the Brazilian Amazon of, let's say, clear-cutting deforestation as official Brazilian government data of about 7,000 to 8,000 uh, square kilometers a year. Uh, uh, this Global Forest Watch data is showing something like 15,000 uh, square kilometers a year, which is very interesting because it's showing a trend because it's, it shows three losses from fire. So once, what we should expect in the near future, increasing Amazonian deforestation because we are seeing a lot of tree, trees being destroyed by fire, which is not full, fully uh, um, clear-cutting. So basically, uh, I think what we are seeing in Brazil is interesting because it's, the, let's say, six to 8,000 uh, square kilometers a year. This is the bottom line of what we can uh, control in terms of deforestation, which is a very high number, by the way. Great. Um, Pakutra, did you want to add something from Indonesia? Yes. Uh, in the case of Indonesia, it's not a surprise. So we expect the figures because of the effort we are undertaking. So we expect the figure of the deforestation is uh, decreasing. Uh, as I mentioned in the introductory, it's not a surprise. Yes, one year does not make a trend. That, 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 that's true, but we believe we are starting a trend. Yeah, so we are committed to, to keep this trend, and, and uh, in the future, the figure will be smaller. Uh, the no El Nino uh, situation, uh, yes, uh, we cannot, uh, we accept it plays role also, but uh, that does not negate the impact of the effort we are undertaking in order to decrease our uh, deforestation rate. And with regard to the red uh, financing, yeah, I hope the statement uh, by the uh, gentleman, in, uh, whether it is an indication that uh, red plus doesn't work, I hope it, that's not true because uh, yeah, because uh, we expect in the, we will uh, gain uh, a lot of support because of our improvement in the uh, because of our achievement progress in the red plus. Thank you. Great. Did anyone else want to chime in to that? Okay. Um, I think we're nearing the end of our questions. If anyone else wants to ask a question, please push star one. Unfortunately, um, Walter Vergara has not joined the call again, um, but Michaela can speak a little bit to what's happening in Colombia, and then we can always send you some follow-up information. Great. Yeah, so Colombia, as we said, you know, there's a lot of uh, activity going on likely related to the power vacuum that has emerged. Um, definitely there are a lot of government actions that are going on to try and counteract that. Um, I think the big question is whether those will be enough. There's also the change in administration. We're not sure how that will impact everything. Um, but certainly, you know, even in the beginning of 2018, um, our team has near real-time alerts in addition to the annual data, and we've seen, you know, massive uh, encroachment into protected areas. We just released a blog on that yesterday. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully the new policies will be enough, um, but there's no indication that it's slowing down. Great. Um, operator, do we have any more questions? We show no further questions on queue at this time. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'd like to thank all of our speakers and thank you all for joining. Again, everything's embargoed for next Wednesday, the 27th at 9 a.m. Central European Time. And um, feel free to reach out if you'd like to see the data or have additional questions. Thanks very much for your time. That concludes the call.